You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hi, welcome to Nick Luck Daily. It is Thursday the 21st of July. Declarations are out today for the King George. Uh, We know the the likely field I'm doing this actually just before declarations are out, but um, we certainly know what is uh, most likely to to show up. Nice international feel it has to it as well. We'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about a little bit more as far as the the weekend's racing goes. Um, Mainly today we're, we're centering on horses going abroad and um, to develop on that a little bit further is my guest today that is broadcaster and journalist Jane Mangan. Jane first of all you, you, you've you just come back from the UK I know you're, you're back in Ireland aren't you so uh, you, you timed that well I, I think heading to the the UK for the heat wave it really suits people with complexions like ours doesn't it? Very much so I'm so pleased that I made the journey to the UK for basically the hottest day in the in the history of the UK. Um, it was uncomfortable, but I think uh, from a racing perspective, the decision to cancel a number of meetings earlier this week was vindicated because it was quite uncomfortable, Tom. I think it, yeah, ultimately there was a, a bit of, well, there was a good bit of pushback when they suggested they were moving, you know, races at Southern earlier and ultimately the right decision was reached cancel racing, stay indoors, shut the curtains as much as possible. Um, anyway, let's move. I leave the weather forecast to Nick. Um, horses going abroad, Jane. Um, it's something that's been a, a topic of discussion really throughout the week. So Charlotte touched on it on Monday. We spoke to um, Jubmont Farms about the sale of, of Thesis, and that's still ruffling a, a few feathers, the, the question of why a, a, an operation like Jubmont need to sell a horse abroad for for big figures um we're going to speak to george bowie shortly about his weekend runners we also have who yamal um who who was who is being aimed abroad at the melbourne cup and is now in training with george but has been sold to different connections to eventually race abroad and this is something that mark johnson has been speaking about in the tdn today so elaborate jane yes brian sheeran has a, a very good q a with mark johnson mark is he, he he's not only um one of the best trainers of the modern era, now partnering up with his son, Charlie. But he's got a reputation for being a bargain hunter at the sales. Um, and it just talks about how he's had to reevaluate the structure of his stable, relying on uh, Sheikh Hamdan anymore and uh, basically going out and buying yearlings, of which he bought 72 last year, most of them on spec without other owners, having to sell them on afterwards. And in one of the questions, Brian Sheeran references that he spoke to a top-tier trainer in Ireland recently who described themselves as a pre-trainer for the foreign market and how disheartening it has become to see the best prospects in his yard being exported, to which then Mark Johnson reveals that uh, Royal Patronage has been uh, moved to the US. He's not, not been sold to the US. He's been retained by his current owners, moved to the US because... He can win a lot more prize money there. This horse won the Acom last year. He beat Caribus in the Royal Lodge, second in the Dante this year. This is a good horse. And it's just, it's not a surprise. It's happening more and more often. 
when I heard the thesis news, I wasn't surprised either. Judmont, yes, they're a huge operation and a lot of people have suggested why have they sold, but they're also a realistic operation. They're not going to turn down ridiculous money from Hong Kong or uh, Australasia if it, if it becomes an option. So this is something that's been happening regularly. We talk about it a lot, but to date, nothing's been done. And does anybody expect anything to happen in the, in the near future? There doesn't seem to be any solutions on the table. I mean, you know, for a yard, lots of horses at, at, at Mark Johnson's yard, but but Royal Patronage was the top-rated horse in his yard, given that Subjectivist currently isn't isn't back, although there's hope for that in, in the future. Um, and, and as you say, he references having lost the horse. Yes, no, the horse hasn't been sold, but he, he's he's chasing prize money in a, a different continent because it, it's better prize money. Um and that, uh, you know, for, for a yard like that, it, it's, that will still be quite a blow. For all, they've got lots of ammunition. To, to lose your top rated, I can imagine, is, is very frustrating. And Mark's been in the game for a very long time. I, I, I get the sense that he feels there's, that there's nothing that can be done about it because prize money elsewhere, ultimately, at, across all levels, is better than at home. Yes, and I, I think I'm just going to bring in a little bit of a curveball I was interested and impressed to read uh, last week that Joseph O'Brien has set up a little satellite uh, base in the US in New York because a lot of our British and Irish trainers rely on uh, international investment and owners who are based overseas. And what happens a lot is you race them in their second and third year, so as juveniles and as three-year-olds in the UK and Ireland and even in France, and, and then they go back home or they go... Um, they go elsewhere and a lot of if you for instance take Joseph's uh, clientele he's got a lot of US um, owners and uh, they could take them back home and leave them with Todd Pletcher or Chad Brown or whomever they wish um, so rather than losing them he's opted to put them in uh, or you know take some stables in, in New York and base them there himself so that he doesn't lose them uh, I, I would interpret it as that maybe he's, his agenda is a little bit different but I would say it's a lot easier for a U.S. owner to say, look, I'll bring it back here. I'll, I'll leave it with my trainer in the U.S. And then the European trainer loses that horse. So that was just a different approach and a fresh approach. And I think it might be something that other people will explore as well, maybe with a watchful eye to see how Joseph performs uh, with his horses in New York. But um, just I, I, I was so interested to read this entire piece with Mark Johnson. He talks about looking at x-rays and having lost out on buying good horses because he was looking at the x-rays too much. He says, you go to the race, you go to the sales to buy a racehorse, not a clean set of x-rays. And I appreciate a lot of people, particularly agents, you have to justify your purchase and you can turn around in a year's time when a horse has, hasn't run and say, oh, well, he's his x-rays were bad we just bought them anyway because we liked them um but for the most part horses aren't perfect no more than people and he he said that he has bought value in the past because cosmetic issues that would never come against the horse's ability to run uh he's overlooked them and, and he's bought them anyway well I, I guess it comes down to whether you do you go to the sales looking for a reason not to buy a horse and uh, because ultimately more often than not, you're going to find one, right? Yeah, if you look hard enough, uh, we all have faults, you know, even Tom Stanley. But uh, it, 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 is, it, it, is, it is interesting. And uh, just going back to the horses going abroad, this is just one 
a high profile one that we've seen. We mentioned Hui Mal going. He's now with George Boy. He's going to go to the to America or to, sorry to Australia. He was bought by for one point two million. One point two million pounds is a lot of money, and it's a hard sum of money to justify turning down when you're running in stakes races for a fraction, a very small fraction of that. So it's uh, look, we breed the best in in Europe. Not only because we have the best breeders, but because we have the climate and environment to do so. But we can't be relying on that. We won't. We won't maintain our position as the best uh, racing jurisdiction in the world if we continue on the path that we're on. Well, as I said, Tony George Bowie uh, now has Hu Yamal in his care, um, with the view to eventually going to to Australia to to race abroad. We know um, the horse may well take in the ledger. Um, but I suppose you're you're a beneficiary in in some ways, George, of of a, a horse being bought to race abroad. But it's great that new connections have put their faith in you. Uh, yeah, look, it's um it's obviously great to to have a horse of his caliber walking into the yard, and you know we're kind of just sort of overseeing him. And you know, look, he's he's been training good, and it's the logical step. I I don't think we're we're certainly not going to over race him while he's here, and. He didn't get on the first shipment to Australia, so um, he's going to run first up in the Cup, and, and the plan is the Gordon Stakes at the moment. He's 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 very much sort of he's he's living here, and, and we're training him at the moment. But um, he was bought by Johnny McKeever for for Gay and Adrian, and, and he's you know, he's gonna he's an Aussie already, but he's <laughs> living in England. <laughs> Uh, those Aussies do very well in England, you know, across all sports. So there you go. Um, what, what's he like? I know you've had him a very brief amount of time. What's he like with a view on the Gordon? Yeah, he's um, he's been so far. He's been very straightforward, and Andrew is very good, obviously. And you know, we had a chat about him before he came, and look, he he came. He was pretty fit, and I haven't really had to do a huge amount. He's done a few bits of work, and. Um, William Buett rode him the other morning and was, was very happy with him. He's not an overly expressive horse. Um, he goes about his work nicely, and yeah, look, he's um, he goes there with. He was second in the Derby. It's the, it's the place to go for him. Presuming that he's all in good shape. Uh, you mentioned William Buick. He rides Kinter, does he at Ascot this weekend? Yeah, he does. Um, Kinter's a, she's a nice filly. She's still very raw and. Um, we bought her from the breeze ups for the Scots, who are big supporters of the yard, and um, yeah, she's improving, and she's won two two weather maidens. But I think you know there was a there was a filly that she beat at Rafe Beckett's that was quite highly thought of at Kenton last time, and um, she was one of my picks of the yearling sales. So whether I'm right or not, I don't know, but she did it in quite good fashion, and William sits on some nice horses and, and was pretty high on her. So. Um, yeah, look, it's a big step up. We're, we're stepping from novice company into group company, and I haven't had her a huge amount of time, so we're still finding our way with her, but her work's been good, and I hope she goes there with, a, with an each-way chance, really. I don't have declarations for, for other races in front of me. Do you run um, Oscula in the Valiant or Romantic Rival? Yeah, Oscula will be declared. Um Actually, just stood looking at her, turned out in her pen as we speak. She's um. Does she? She's a does she know you Does she know you're talking about her? Probably, I do quite a lot of talking about her. <laughs> <laughs> she's um. She spent a lot of time in France last year, and actually, you know, she took her racing incredibly well. And and I think the fact that we're, you know, she's 
she's remained in England so far has, has meant that we've been, been able to keep her even busier and she's a you know she's a flag bearer for Nick Bradley and, and his owners and she was a cheap purchase and I did have my doubts whether she'd go on again this year we we took her to the well a few times and um, she's a listed winner already this year and, and hopefully you know she'll get an entry in the oak tree at Goodwood as well and um, we'll see she, she takes the racing incredibly well um, well, uh, we'll come to Goodwood in just a second. Uh, I just want to mention the international air to air lining up and any others. Yeah, air to air will go there. Um, if the park doesn't run, he'll go to the Stewards Cup at Goodwood. But yeah, I think air to air was he was favourite for the Britannia last year, and he pulled a shoe off jumping out the stalls. It was very fast ground that day, and he wouldn't be a he wouldn't be the toughest, and he ran a very good race you know, behind a. You know, and obviously what's a great race every year and it was no exception that year and um, Ross Orion will ride and um, he goes there with a good chance his, his work's been his work's been pretty good do you, I mean he obviously gets a mile so is, is he a sort of you know a, a seven furlong slash miler do you think or, or, or might seven actually be his best trip well I, I think he's pretty versatile seven for a mile and it's my plan he, he had a bit of a setback last year in the racing league and um, the plan was to try and get him back for the Hunt Cup and we didn't have enough time to get a run in to get his mark up but I think a strongly run seven at Ascot stiff track is you know is like a, is like a flat mile so um, yeah look he was impressive the other day and, and I hope he can um, continue to improve he's from a late maturing family air pilots in the second dam and um Lady Cobham didn't really race him until he was four or five, and he he ran for another five years after that. So he's a horse who I hope we'll have for a while. Uh, can you give me one horse, rather than running through everything you you may or may not be sending to Goodwood? One horse for whatever reason you're looking forward to sending there. Look, I think Inver Park is a horse. You know, he was our first Ascot winner, and um, Sam Haggis, who bought him blind he bought him online um said that he was going to win the buckingham palace and then go and win the stewards cup so we're we're 50% of the way there and um he comes back to six furlongs but i think he'll i think he'll be okay there and if he gets drawn with the pace i think he'll run a massive race Right, Wi-Fi at tracks and the blocking of certain websites. This has been something which has been um really bubbling under since Royal Ascot when there were reports that certain um Websites couldn't be accessed, and it also raised its head again at the July Festival at Newmarket. Um, so I'll get your opinions on this shortly, Jane, but let me read out some quotes first of all, and thanks to Lydia Hislop, who's forwarded me, forwarded me a, a couple of these. First of all, from uh, Nick Smith at, at Ascot. He says, non-sponsored bookmakers are blocked, as, it is an uncom- as isn't uncommon on some racecourses. The Racing Post got caught in the crossfire at Royal Ascot as they linked to betting sites. As soon as we heard about it, we released the, the block. Clearly, we need to see it, the Racing Post, as much as our, our guests do. He goes on to say, it's a commercial benefit of sponsorship. Uh, we've never had a, com- a customer complaint as there are multiple ways to bet. This is w- with regards to certain non-partner bookmakers being blocked. Um, on course, online, by text. Most of the big names sponsor at Ascot, uh, Entain, Flutter, 365, Skybet, Tote, uh, etc. Um, and I'll then read out one from um, Joe Rendell, uh, got in touch to, to send a, a Jockey Club Racecourses response. Um, the, the, the point that he's making is that, well, the Jockey Club explained that the 
the Racing Post and other main providers of race cards are always accessible on free racecourse Wi-Fi. There was a brief period when this wasn't the case at the July Festival, and that was due to firewall upgrades. The, the firewall at, at, at Newmarket July Course had recently been upgraded. They were made aware of it, and they resolved it as soon as they could. So the, the overall point here being that the, the, the Racing Post and, and other websites have at both tracks been, been caught in the crossfire, if you like, accidentally, but they are always accessible on the free Wi-Fi. Non-partner bookmakers are not. There are other ways to bet 4G um, with the on-course bookmakers, for example. But do you feel, Jane, that in any way the fact that, a, let's say that you know, I'm, a, I'm a casual punter and I've got a, an account with X bookmaker, I rock up to the race course, the only account I've got, I want to place a bet on my phone and I can't use the Wi-Fi to do so. Is that acceptable? Is it putting people off going racing? I don't think it would put people off going racing. It might affect their race course experience on the day, but personally, I would hope that each racetrack would have reception for 4G and you could come off the Wi-Fi and uh, proceed accordingly. Now, everybody has issues with firewall, whether it's when you're a kid and your parents put restrictions on your internet or when you're in school or whatever. Uh, that's not a new issue and that's not uh, unique to the jockey club, but they said they have rectified their issues with regard to the racing post if al and if it is a benefit to sponsorship having that exclusive well not exclusive but having yourself included in that uh, package i i i have no problem with it some people will, will see it differently but personally i think come off the wi-fi and if you have an issue after that there are other ways to make a bet i think one of the problems is that um when it's very busy at your big festivals ultimately i mean you know royal ascot this year um cheltenham to an extent as well just because of the sheer amount of people getting on 4g is at times nigh on impossible so you do have to rely on the race course wi-fi and then if you are one of those people that wants to place a bet on your phone and it happens to be with an un unsponsored um sorry an unpartnered bookmaker then i can imagine that is very frustrating and I can imagine sitting there thinking, look, this, you know, I, I might feel this isn't good enough. But ultimately, I can see while at the contractual stage of making these agreements, partner bookmakers want it stipulated that own, only partner bookmakers, those investing in the, the sport at that track or, or on that premises, um, can, can be used by punters. So whilst I can see it from both sides, I, I certainly wouldn't be in the this is unacceptable camp, Jay. No, I think uh, when it comes to the issues facing our sport, this is probably not in the top echelon. But uh, you talk about being finding it difficult to get on the 3G or the 4G. I, I find if there is a huge attendance at a race meeting, the Wi-Fi is sometimes um, completely ineffective. But yeah, if it's a benefit to partner bookmakers, if it's a part of the contractual agreement, I don't think it's... Um, a major issue while it might be inconvenient if that that's not going to be the reason you don't go racing right this weekend it's the the king george um and a, and a an exciting one it is too um although a, a great shame that we now know that desert crowd isn't isn't going to line up we've talked about the jockey changes in the race that's done um and and of course with um emily upjohn being rerouted from the irish oaks last weekend she adds a good bit of spice to the race um a 50 percent share in her has been uh, bought by the, the Lloyd Webbers and uh, racing manager Simon Marsh joined me earlier on. Here's what he had to say. Um, well, we're very, we were very fortunate that um, 
that uh, we knew um, John Shack and uh, he'd been involved with the start. He's been involved with the farm for a long time, and um, we were we we managed to get involved in that way. Uh, and John and, and now everyone that's part of this wider team, if you like, must be hugely excited about her taking part in a race like the King George. Yeah, it's hugely exciting. I mean, it's an iconic race. It's one of the great, great races on the British calendar. And um, no, it's a it's a huge privilege to be involved in a filly um, that is, um, you know, hopefully has the ability to be able to compete in a, a race of that calibre. Mm. Does does she sort of? Is it fair to say that, that that she sort of fits the bill, watership down wise, if you like, when you know looking further along the line, is is she the the ideal sort of prospect? Oh, very much so. I mean, she's bought. You know, we've obviously got involved with her for, for the long term, um, in as much as ultimately she can. She'd be a wonderful broodmare prospect. I mean, she's the most beautiful looking filly. She's a very, she's quite a big filly, but she's beautifully proportioned. Um, very, very attractive filly uh, so, with a with a wonderful pedigree. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a family we we already know. In as much as we we own a mare called Gale Force, is the dam of um, Hurricane Lane. So it's all that same family, and um, it's a, it's a family that seems to be really really doing things at the moment so um with her on the start no can only enhance the broodmare band in the future um just a just a, another a topic i wonder if you can you can sort of jay mangan and i have been discussing horses horses going abroad and whether this is a, a you know a more common thing this is with regards to horses being sold abroad so what would be your opinion on on the market as it stands currently simon are we are we shipping these horses off abroad more than ever? Do you think, or is that that something that that you know perhaps the media is overplaying? I think undoubtedly there's a there's a drain of um, horses um, now being sold to go abroad. I mean, I think that anything's rated anything that's rated from kind of ninety five to one hundred and ten is um, is you know ultimately. In the in the eyes of those who who want to who want to buy them to go to whether it's Hong Kong, Australia, mm. or America, or anywhere overseas, you know the Middle East. Um, I think there's a huge huge demand for 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 UK based horses, and I think that's only going to get uh, bigger. Um, and again, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an old record, but until prize money increases and gets better in the UK, it's just going to get. Um, there are more and more horses going to leave the leave um, leave racing in the UK. When you when you're dealing with a race like the King George, for instance, prize money is absolutely exceptional. So you know, the very very high level, the prize money um, in Europe is 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 extremely good. Um, but just below that, um, in Group Two, Group Three listed level, um, you know, the prize money is definitely not what it is. Abroad, I mean, in in America, you've got maiden races that are being run for a hundred thousand dollars. So, um, I I think that you know it's a huge problem, but it's been a problem for many many years. But it also there is a there is another side to it, which is that if you get involved in um, racing in the UK and you have a horse that is um, of a of a of a high caliber but not tip top, you are going to get extremely well paid for it. Estella King George Jane, how 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 good a race does it look on paper? You know, when when Desert Crown came out, I was really deflated. I I, I was just so looking forward to seeing him. I think we have a thirst to see our Epsom Derby hero again. It's been 
Uh, it's been a while, but it's still a good renewal of the race. There's six runners in there, but each of them are uh, legitimately top-tier horses. And I, I, I like Emily Upjohn. I was I was again sucker punched to the gut when she couldn't come to the Curra and we centered our entire program around her and a, bit, a little bit like the racing post who had to basically at the 11th hour change their entire uh, Saturday edition when, when the news came through that she wouldn't be able to travel. Uh, she is for me against the favorite, the most likely winner. Uh, she's getting a stone from Mishrif. That's an awful lot of weight and a lot of people will say oh, she's only a listed winner. Tuesday bombed out in the Irish Derby. Well, despite her trip and running at Epsom, she has Nashua behind her on that occasion. And uh, it's it's just, she's coming straight there. I, I think she's she's a very good filly. Westover, what he did at, at, at the Curra was scintillating. Um, but Pisbadil has been well beaten since. And Mishrif was very good in the Eclipse. But it's just, I'm getting back to the weight factor. He has to give her a stone. I'm really pleased that Tocorto Tasso is lining up. I, I, I will be interested to see how he can handle this type of ground. Uh, listening to his rider during the week, he thinks that Tocorto Tasso is equally as effective on quicker ground as he is on soft, heavy ground. But he did say that other horses don't handle the extremes quite as well and that they will be better uh, on this terrain than, say, in the arc of last October. So it's a good renewal of the King George. It'll be tactically fascinating. You would imagine Westover won't hang around knowing the speed that Mishrif has over 10 furs. Um, that will suit Emily Upjohn and Tequarto Tasso if he does go forward and make it a real test. And uh, for Rafe Beckett and Colin Keane, let's see if they can bring up back-to-back group ones in the Judman Colours. We spoke last week about the great racing welfare cycle and what an undertaking that was, how much money was, was hoping to be raised, and that the whole team and everyone that's taken part has done incredibly well. Here to reflect on it is Racing Welfare's Gemma Waterhouse, who um, was, was part of the cycle, the, the 24-hour cycle this year. Gemma, what was it like? It was the most gruelling but uplifting experience if those two two things can go together. Um, it was a really tough challenge. Uh, Ham Hill will be something that no one ever wants to remember. I think someone called it Hell Hill at one point. Um, uh, it was it was really really hard. The lack of sleep, uh, keeping on going out and doing that thirty-kilometer circuit with those grueling hills was very hardcore. But we did it together. You know, 80, 80 plus cyclists, um, teams of four, two rides, two rests. Everyone supported each other. Um, we were so well looked after by Cheltenham Racecourse and Jockey Club Catering, who gave us all the food, Pie Events, who helped uh, organise the event for us, um, doing all the technical aspects. It was just, it was an incredible experience. I'm so proud of what we achieved and I'm so proud of what everybody gave because um, they really did give their absolute all for it. I can imagine the sense of, of teamwork and the calls you were doing it for was, was huge throughout the whole 24, hour, 24 hours and the whole process itself. Yeah, absolutely. And we had, you know, many of the people there had been beneficiaries or could be future beneficiaries. So, you know, Ben Pauling had two teams of people there. You know, every single one of them is a beneficiary or a potential beneficiary of racing welfare. Uh, you know, we look after 20,000 people or support 20,000 people who work in racing. Um, and so it's not always just the stable staff that people automatically think of. It's the trainers, it's the people that work in administration. We had a, you know, a team there from Judmont, guys from Studs. 
and so everybody had a had a, a connection with the charity and pretty much everyone knew somebody who had been supported um by the charity so yeah it, it was really a motive actually it was lovely and what's the current um, situation with how much money raised and, and target you want to get to etc yeah so originally our target was sixty thousand, uh which we smashed through on the second day of the cycle which was a really big lift i think i announced it at 6 a.m or something in the morning that that we'd we'd hit through 60 so that was fantastic we've now broken through 100 we're up to one hundred and fifteen thousand, um and and we're still counting we've got an auction uh great racing welfare cycle auction uh, which is on our website, which finishes today at 5 p.m. And I'm really hoping that people will go over and have a look at the money can't buy items that we've got on there and help us increase that that um, amount. We've got breakfast um, with actually cooked by John Frankham, and I've had a breakfast with John Frankham. It's very good. That's uh, the, I think that's the important detail. Yes, exactly. He's actually going to cook it uh, with AP probably just watching and telling him what he should be doing. And then the two of them, AP McCoy and John Franklin, will take you off to Sunningdale Golf Course, one of the best golf courses in the country, uh, to play golf, which is a, an incredible um, lot. We've got, got a private tour of Dallam Hall Stud with Sam Bullard, uh, followed by lunch at the Jockey Club Rooms. Uh, we've got a morning on the gallops and lunch for four with Ben Pauling. Uh, stable tour with Dan Skelton. So there's loads of uh, really amazing money can't buy. Uh, lots on there that we'd love people to go over and and bid on just to help us increase that total a little bit more make all that sweat and tears worthwhile and I've, so i mean i've just googled racing welfare auction it's easy enough to find um but um but go to the website and it's until it runs until five o'clock today right five o'clock today last bids get get them in as soon as you can absolutely and we would still love for anybody i mean i'm hoping that the the video clips and, and the social media stuff that we were putting out was entertaining for people. We seem to have a huge amount of engagement with it, which is, which is, you know, we're so grateful for. And, and if you enjoyed it and, you know, you feel it's a worthy cause, then you can still text to donate on 70450. Um, that's going to be available all the way through to the end of August. You just uh, text GWRC and the amount you want to donate. Um, or you can go to any of the Just Giving pages that are listed on the website as well. So we'd love to get that total up. to. I've got a magic number in my mind, which I'd love to get to. So if you can help us, that would be fantastic. Yeah, get to that auction before five o'clock today. And at any time, as Gemma says, you can text GRWC plus the amount you want to donate to 70450. Gemma, thanks ever so much and well done. And um, hopefully those bids keep coming in. Thank you so much. Let's turn attention to racing at Leopardstown this evening. Two group threes for, for juveniles, which Jane's going to touch on. We've got the silver flash with uh, six runners, five runners in the Tyros stakes. Before we get there, actually, I can tell you that Mabel Artiste, trained by Joseph O'Brien, runs in the 5.30, the opener, Philly's Maiden. And that is a My Racehorse-owned filly, and that means shares are available to you to purchase today until 4.30. That's an hour before the race. Uh, Mabel Artiste, um, currently second in, in the betting for that daughter of Zoffany in the My Racehorse colours. If you'd like a share in her, you can get one until 4.30 today. You can uh, head to, to my racehorse or, or head to their Twitter 
for that link that you can click on to make a one-time payment to get involved with Mabel Artiste. Uh, Jane, as far as the Silver Flash and the Tyros goes, what are you looking forward to? Yes, I'm actually making uh, the trip to Leperstown and it's it's a really nice card. Yes, you mentioned not big fields, but um, quality nonetheless. The Silver Flash, never-ending story, was really good at the Cura. I thought Dubawi out of Pina, she's got one of those killer pedigrees, one of the best in the book, and, and she was really scintillating when she you won at the Curra, but there's a filly in there that I think is um, a little bit of a bubbling filly. She's called With Love. She was well backed from 150 to 1 into shorter odds on debut when she was fourth at the Curra, and then she confirmed that promise when she backed up at Leopardstown. Um, it was in a median auction race. This is going to be hotter, but uh, this race was won by Agartha last year, Shale the year before, and Love before that. It typically is a good race, and uh, the Silver Flash is one I'm looking forward to. And the Tyros, again, a small field, just uh, five runners in this. But John O'Donoghue, first season trainer this year, and he nearly brought off a significant milestone very early in his career. He was second with Purling Path uh, to Holloway Boy in the Chesham Stakes at, uh, at Royal Ascot. And this is his first run back since then. He won a maiden at Fairy House. I think uh, Purling Path was... Um, He's quite a good horse, and I think he's exciting. And he was probably overlooked um, given the performance he put in at Royal Ascot. So let's see if he can beat the likes of Helsing, Age of Kings, and Proud and Regal. It looks like it's uh, it's going to be very difficult to beat the O'Briens, but if anybody can do it, John O'Donoghue might be able to do it. Aidan O'Brien has won this eight times. He's won it with the likes of Churchill, Glen Eagles, and Deauville, but he's going to have to be good to win it tonight. Yeah, Berlin Path in the colours of uh, Bahrain trainer Fauzi Nass. And I presume one of those group threes is, is where you're tipping, Jane, right? You think you would think that logically, but obviously I'm going to make life difficult because I want betting. I want more than five runners. So with that in mind, I'm going down to Limerick to the 7:45. It's an amateur riders handicap hurdle, and I like Alfieri. He's gone up a lot in the weight since he won. He was fifth at Roscommon last time, but he probably found himself a little bit too far back and his jumping fell apart under pressure. So Alfieri has gone up a lot in the weights, but I think he might be able to bring off a second win of his career in the 7.45 for Russell Sullivan. Jane, lovely stuff. Enjoy your trip to Leopardstown. Um, that is it for today. I will be chatting to you again this sort of time tomorrow. That was Thursday, the 21st of July. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.